Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special edition of the Advance Your Art podcast. I am, of course, your host, Yuri Cataldo, and thank you so much for joining me. I am also the co-host of another podcast called The Coin Chat, which my good friend Steve Good and I record uh, almost on a daily basis. It is both a YouTube show and a podcast, so you can find us on YouTube at The Coin Chat or on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, also under The Coin Chat. I was able to get a very special guest, and I wanted to play that episode on this platform. We sat down with 2020 presidential candidate, Democratic candidate, Andrew Yang, and spoke with him exclusively about his ideas on universal basic income, as well as blockchain and technology, and how that could affect and change the United, the U.S. economy. What's interesting about Andrew is that he is not a typical politician. He went to school to be an economist and then got his law degree, worked as an entrepreneur and ran a couple of companies. He then was invited to work uh, for the Obama administration and advise them on entrepreneurship and also started a nonprofit focused on entrepreneurship. So he is very tuned in on job creation, and uh, we'll speak about that as well. He is also, unlike current politicians, is very on top of what is actually happening with technology. He understands it very well and speaks at length about what is possible with automation as well as blockchain and a few other items. So I wanted to make sure that I played that episode for my guests here. Particularly, what I find interesting is his ideas on something called the universal basic income, or I believe he calls it the uh, freedom dividend. Just thinking back to when I first graduated from undergrad or grad school, having $1,000 a month guaranteed would have made the difference uh, between leaving New York City and changing careers and staying around and being able to afford rent. So that's something that I'm particularly interested in. Whether or not it's going to happen or not, who knows. But uh, as a thought exercise, it is very exciting, uh, particularly since there's already a state in the United States that does give its residents a guaranteed $1,000 a month. And I'll let you listen in to hear what state that is. As a side note... In 2019, I have been paying more attention to my health, mostly because I'm getting older. And there is one product I wanted to talk about very briefly. If you're into CBD oil, I have found one that I particularly like. It's from a company called Zillis, Z-I-L-I-S. If you go to zillis.com backslash Yuri Cataldo, you'll be able to see what I'm speaking about. But I use uh, something called UltraCell. It's a full-spectrum hemp CBD oil. That is organically sourced, uh, and it's, it is a berry flavored. It tastes wonderful. I've been using it every night for the last couple of months. I've been noticing I sleep better. I'm more relaxed. More, more recently, like literally this weekend, I injured myself because I don't understand gyms apparently or something. But uh, injured myself. There's a topical version that I use as well as I, I took the, the hemp oil, and it really helped me lessen the pain Uh, and get through this bizarre injury. So that's something you're interested in, zillis.com.
backslash Yuri Cataldo. I also have some smaller samples. If you just want to try it out, contact me and I'm happy to talk all things CBD oil. I will also post in the show notes Andrew's links. So to his campaign, his books, as well as his ideas on universal basic income. So thank you so much again for tuning in. Without further ado, here is the Coin Chat interview with 2020 Democratic candidate Andrew Yang. Broadcasting live from the moon and back, this is The Coin Chat, the most trusted voice for all things cryptocurrency. Each week, we dissect an important issue and cut through the noise and misinformation out there in the world of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and ICOs, capturing the facts that truly matter to you that will give you an edge in this fast-moving emerging market. The who, what, where, when, and how of what you need to know in crypto to get ahead so you don't get left behind. Now, here are your co-hosts, financial and crypto experts, Yuri Kataki. Cataldo, Steve hey, this is Steve Good on the Coin Chat with my co host Yuri Cataldo. And today we are with a presidential candidate who's also a big fan of blockchain, Andrew Yang. Andrew, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you for having me, uh, both of you. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. So, yes, I'm joining from, joining from my home. I was joking with the guys. It's my kids' room. It's uh, even presidential candidates. Uh, have to hide from their families sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? I'm hiding behind a green screen here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so so, I'm just glad I have a family to hide from. <laughs> true. <laughs> that has good and bad sometimes. So, you know, I think what's, it's great to have you on the show. Really, you know, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're a busy guy. You're out. You've got a lot of things to do to raise awareness of your, your presidential candidacy and generating all that interest. And you know, I think for Yuri and I, we just wanted to have a chance to tell you to talk with you and to help you raise a bit of awareness around your campaign and kind of get to know a little bit about what you're doing. Um, of course, from our perspective, we'd love to hear a lot more about your interests and your uh, your view on blockchain. And we've got some questions we put together for you to just you know have a you know an open discussion and just kind of hear where where it's all going to go and what you what you see is happening. Well, thank you for that, and thank you uh, for sensing that we're incredibly aligned um, where uh, my vision of the economy is very consistent with the, the people who are in the cryptocurrency community and are working on blockchain mm -hmm. uh, advancements where um, we need to move towards a more decentralized system for sure that's more transparent uh, and blockchain you know it's like many other technologies where it's going to have its drawbacks at various times uh, but sure. the long-term potential is staggering uh, and really the the and the reason I fell into um, so many friends in the community is that I found that approximately 99% of people in the blockchain community are pro-universal basic income, um, mm -hmm. which, as you may know, is the, the central pillar of my campaign. Yes. Um, so, so I arrived at that through the, the reality that we are automating away millions of American jobs. Um, we've already automated away 4 million manufacturing jobs leading to Donald Trump's election in 2016. Uh, and now we need to start evolving. And to me, uh, moving toward the blockchain is part of that evolution. Um, so one of the things we're looking at right now is we could potentially enable voting on the blockchain um, in a way that would free people up from these um, lines at poll stations and all these systems that everyone's like not even sure if they're getting hacked by the Russians and the rest of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. There are things sure. we can do. 
Uh, I was just at a meeting uh, of people who are looking to distribute universal basic income on the blockchain, which I think is where it will go eventually. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also for the implementation of a national digital uh, currency um, to supplement the dollar because there are many, many things that we could do uh, that the dollar cannot do. So uh, this campaign really, and, and one of the jokes I tell is that people sometimes call me a futurist, um, but I believe I'm a presentist. It's just that most of the politicians are stuck in the past because that's just their experience. For sure. Um, but for yeah. me, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I've worked in technology for about 20 years and I know what's possible. Um, so with people like you, hopefully we can spread that word to people around the country. Mm -hmm. So, no, you know, it's so an interesting point that you made. You raised a couple of comments in, in this that I wanted to pick up on. Um, one was the you know, transparency, which, as you probably know, with cryptocurrency, when you get into privacy coins, it creates some interesting dilemmas, especially for the IRS and for tax. The other thing that I'm wondering about, so I'm just going to ask you these two things together, Please. is that is that, you know, I'm, I'm based in London, by the way, Yuri's based in, in Boston. So as an outsider that spent most of my last two years in the crypto world as an advisor to other companies, what I've seen is a complete absence of the US being really present, mostly because of regulation, because of the SEC. And I'm just wondering if you have any particular views on how we can open up the, the potential channels for allowing the US to really thrive in a cryptocurrency community or a crypto community, a blockchain community, when there's been so much that's restricted America, while we've seen China and Korea and Japan and India and the and you know and some parts of Europe just thrive, Russia thriving because you know technology and people have been able to really get into it. And I've seen the U.S. just kind of fall behind on some respects. Do you have any you know thoughts on privacy and its impact on tax, and also how we can open up the channels to to really open up the doors for more innovation in crypto and blockchain? For the U.S., you know, I, I think the the second point is so key, where people think of America as like the hotbed of innovation and technology, when in reality, uh, the American certainly the political system is quite backward and retrograde and, and incredibly bureaucratic, and you can see it with the blockchain uh, and other cryptocurrencies, where the U.S. has essentially thrown its hands up and been like, you know, don't really have an approach here. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, and so as a result, um, certainly there are many people in America who are making uh, use of cryptocurrencies, but it's uh, it's not as supported and there's a lot more confusion mm -hmm. in the yeah. U.S. because the place is not as forward looking. So uh, I hope to be able to change that. I mean, as president, I believe I can uh, start to move America forward. And one of one of the other jokes I tell is that the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who likes meth. <laughs> um, where, where his goal is to freeze time and turn the clock backwards and we need to accelerate time and move it forwards um, and that includes certainly having a much more intelligent approach to the blockchain uh, and other technologies that would um, really so I, I think the other thing that's going on in the U.S. that's very painful to admit is that there's just a lot of rent seeking in the U.S. and the truth is if you had the blockchain um, uh, and other technologies fully revved up, then you would end up disintermediating accounting firms and law firms and financial institutions. Mm -hmm. And those institutions really control much of the American system where no one wants to let anything out that's going to end up disrupting their revenue streams. Interesting. Jerry, over to you. Go ahead. I've got some yeah, couple yeah. questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you're one of the few presidential candidates who are accepting cryptocurrencies on uh, on, on your site, which I think is amazing. 
Um, and you yourself have mentioned on your website that there, uh, the campaign donors have to register and also not to share your wallet address so that people can't make untraceable donations. I'd like to hear your thoughts on how this could eventually, uh, uh, eventually maybe affect politics in the future. Because a lot of people who are, who, a lot of people believe that when they hear Bitcoin or blockchain or cryptocurrencies, they think of laundry, money launderers, drug dealers, and then dark money. So how would you approach this idea of getting cryptocurrencies involved without that dark money aspect? Hmm. Yeah, and, and hopefully, uh, like even my campaign can be an example of this, where if it's simply an exchange of value, there's nothing sinister about it. Um, right. And certainly for us, I joke that you could donate chickens to my campaign <laughs> as long as I knew that it was you and like, you know, the chickens are <laughs> like worth a certain amount. Um, and so, so you can't just anonymously donate Ether or Bitcoin to, to our campaign from FEC rulings. Like you just have to tell us who you are. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and if we were to get something anonymous, then unfortunately we couldn't make use of it. So that would sort of defeat the purpose. Um, but hopefully my campaign can shine a light on the fact that this is a, a great way to exchange value and, and transfer value to another party. Um, and that, you know, my, my campaigns are already collected uh, thousands of dollars in cryptocurrency donations. And uh, we hope that continues. Um, yeah. it, it's something, you know, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to, I've always wanted to demonstrate that I'm very, very aligned with the values of the, the community. Um, and so hopefully, like you said, like we can disabuse people of the notions that like anything to do with cryptocurrency means you're, you know, a drug dealer or something. Right. So, you know, the fact that you have the, you know, Bitcoin mentioned on your website is interesting because one of the things that we've seen running a YouTube show, having website and all the rest is because of the word cryptocurrency or Bitcoin anywhere through any of our channels, we can't advertise anything. And I'm wondering, do you have the same problems having a website that has we accept Bitcoin causing you any problems with advertising? And generally for all the rest of us out, if you're not having any problems, if for the, for the rest of us who are struggling to just run any form of advertising on anything that we do, what's your thought on that about how much we're being blocked from talking about what we're doing and how we're educating people in crypto or blockchain? Well, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that because uh, we haven't had those problems and it could be because we have one page that says Bitcoin and then we have like hundreds of other pages. That are doing other <laughs> sure, things. could be. Um, yeah. Um, but those restrictions are, are, are very interesting. Um, there, you know, I, I can, I'm like scratching my head thinking like, why do those restrictions exist? Um, that, you know, like I can imagine some rationale. Um, I'm sure that whatever is being done is overly broad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did a Facebook yeah. live uh, video today. It was less than five minutes long and it was a quick explainer video for people to just understand how does mining work, why it's not a Ponzi scheme and what the mechanisms are for using computers to mine and verify transactions like the way a bank does. That was it. Um, our marketing uh, team attempted to go ahead and just, you know, promote it on Facebook to make it more widely seen blocked not allowed. We have not been able to advertise anything on our channels across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. So you're, you're same companies again and again here. It's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's yeah, Google. And I'm just wondering, you know, at what point do we uh, kind of open this up a little bit so that, you know, we have to draw a line somewhere, but you know, it just seems to me that I mean, there's that, something that to be said about. Really, I mean, it, like one, that's surprising to me, but two, <laughs> it shows just how much 
uh, clout and uh, distribution power is concentrated in the hands of a handful of platforms. Yes. And in a way, what it does is it highlights uh, the rationale for the blockchain and Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to begin with, which is that you're trying to <laughs> like create a, a more uh, decentralized um, you know, system that doesn't rely upon like the like five institutions or one institution or one government or whatever it is. That's right. Um, to to approve. So in, in a way, this is like you know proof positive of the rationale for for the importance of, of your work. Um, mm -hmm. It's unfortunate that um, we unfortunately are beholden to a handful of tech platforms to get the word out. And certainly, as a presidential candidate, I mean, I've got a social media team, and we're like you know Instagram living and the rest of it. So I get it. Right. And, uh, and if you're not on these platforms and it's like you don't exist. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, so to entrepreneurs out there, in a way, what we need is we need some more uh, decentralized social media platforms. Now, I don't know how you do that because of the fact that um, ubiquity in that context obviously ends up driving utility. There, there's right. definitely a number of them on the way. I've, I've come across a few of them myself and there's a, a range of things that they're trying to do to create a decentralized environment for social media. And they run into similar problems um, around, mostly around privacy because they don't want to hold the data, but in order for their systems to actually be smart enough for, for provisioning the data, they run into problems of, do we hold the data or do we allow the users to control the data? And it's an interesting problem because, you know, we've seen what, data, what the Cambridge Analytics problem did to Facebook. And so what I see is a lot of these blockchain projects that don't want to go down that path and yet are confronted with sometimes they need some of the data and they're trying to figure out what the line is, where the balance is, so they're not seen as doing exactly what nobody wants. So it's That's a, so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I want to tell you guys a joke uh, that I told at this blockchain event I spoke at earlier uh, this week, which was um, someone asked the question, um, why is Bitcoin worth $7,000? And then the response was, why is $7,000 worth $7,000? <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah. Um, but but it, it you know it, it's uh, it, because what what you're describing really is um, you know um, and, and it took me a little while to get it. It took me a little while to understand uh, the ethos of what was possible and, and what the community is driving towards. Uh, but I'm I'm convinced that we need to move in that direction as fast as possible, and we need to replace this mindset of resource scarcity that is taking over certainly the U.S. in a very dark way. And replace it with a mindset of abundance and future orientation, and and what is still possible, um, and the the fact that uh, you know we can uh, build a very different kind of society very quickly, um, but we need to get our acts together and make it. And and this is one of the things I told the the Bitcoin folks too. Um, so I'm running for president, you know, uh, and some people, probably many of the people listening to this right now, will think to themselves. Oh, this guy seems sort of interesting, but the but is there's no way he can win. <laughs> Something along those lines. We've mm -hmm. heard that um, before, haven't we? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm heading uh, to Iowa for the eighth time um, next week, uh, and what I I boil it down to people is like I'm an Asian guy, and Asians are really good at tests. And so it so the question is like, what is the test to become president of the United States? And it turns out there's all of this like media noise and like endorsements. There's really only one, maybe two tests involved. Can you win the caucus in Iowa and can you win the primary in New Hampshire in February, 2020? Mm -hmm. Now, 
Uh, I'm just going to break this down for people who are listening because, uh, you know, it makes people realize what's possible. Um, so Iowa is a state of 3.1 million people, but only 5.6% of them participated in the Democratic caucus last time. 171,000 really? hmm. out of 3.1 million. That's so let's, let's make that number 200,000. How many people do we think are going to run for president as a Democrat this cycle? A few dozen, 20, 30. <laughs> yes. So if let's say you have 20 to 30 candidates and you have 200,000 votes, mm -hmm. how many Iowans do I need to get on my side saying we should get a thousand dollar a month dividend in order for me to finish the top three in 2020? Maybe 25 to 30,000 Iowans. Yeah. Yeah. About 30,000 wow. Iowans on top three. So when people go through all this and say, like, hey, you know, long shot candidate, blah, 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 none of it matters if we can get 30,000 Iowans on board with the idea that them getting $1,000 a month is a good idea. Mm -hmm. And when I go to Iowa, I'm already polling in Iowa. I'm already tied with Kirsten Gillibrand in Iowa as of uh, last year um, because I go to Iowa and I ask people, have you noticed stores closing in your, in your uh, towns? And they say, yes. And then I say, why is that? And then they say, Amazon. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and what are you going to do about it? And then they look at me, they're like, I can do something about it. And I was like, well, if you make me president, I'm going to bring back $1,000 a month to you and you can uh, rebuild your Main Street economy and give your kids a reason to stay. Mm -hmm. And that gets 20% of them thinking, yeah, like that is about the only thing you can do. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm just presenting this as like a vision as to how change is possible uh, much, much faster than people think. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So while you're in Iowa, because that's interesting, the, the idea of a universal basic income um, is something I know that's been floated before, but a lot of people are hesitant about it. What are some of the strategies you're using to talk to Iowans about why it's important to do this? Well, I, I talked to them about the fact that um, Trump's our president because we got rid of 4 million manufacturing jobs, including 40,000 in Iowa. So they saw that happen. <laughs> And then, right. and then you say, hey, what happened to the manufacturing jobs we're about to do to your retail jobs, your call center jobs, your food service jobs, your truck driving jobs, all of which are huge employment categories in Iowa. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so uh, then I say, look, it may seem far out or socialist to you, but if you look at our history, Thomas Paine was for it, Martin Luther King was for it, Richard Nixon was for it, Milton Friedman was for it, a thousand economists were for it. And it's been law in one state, Alaska, for the last 37 years, where everyone in that state gets between one and $2,000 a year. Right. And they, they look at me and they're like, that happens? And I'm like, yeah, you can move <laughs> to Alaska and you get that money too. Really? And they pay for it with oil. Mm -hmm. And then I ask them, what is the oil of the 21st century? And then they scratch their head for a second. And then someone says, technology? And I'm like, that's right. What we did for Alaska with oil we can do for you and the rest of the country with technology and isn't norway already doing something like this anyway because norway is like a massive oil producing country and the citizens have like a really really light nice life there i mean i i don't know exactly what they're doing but i know that there's some sort of system that enables them to all have a very comfortable life because of the amount of oil that's government money yeah the nordic countries northern european countries like denmark they, they either have incredibly robust social safety nets or something close to the equivalent of a universal basic income right now. Right. Um, but as you can imagine, in uh, the U.S., certainly Alaska is a much more, um, you know, 
like relevant. relevant example for them because sure. and also Alaska is like a deep red conservative state. So then it right. makes them think like this is not somehow some like far left uh, socialist. Yeah. God forbid a Democrat should be supporting what's happening in a Republican state. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Someone called me the shuffler where like I, I shuffle <laughs> the, the I'd like um, to see that like live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and like libertarians are coming out for me. Many Trump voters are coming up to me and saying, I voted for Donald Trump. I'll vote for you because you're an outsider. You want to shake things up. You're talking about the same problems he was talking about, but you have real solutions. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You stated on um, your website that Americans should be able to vote via their mobile phones with verification done via blockchain. How would you sell that to the older generation of American people and calm their fears about being hacked or issues with using some new technology? Um, and, you know, to, to, to kind of, you know, r r lower their fears considering some of the noise we heard from the last election. Yeah, so the, the truth is that any voting system you're going to have, you're going to be working with uh, legacy systems and the paper backup um, uh, for some period of time. So to me, the, the big move we have to start making is we have to start making it so you have multi-modal voting where people who are comfortable voting on their smartphones, like beep boop, like done. And then if you're an old person, you want to wait in line, like be our guest. <laughs> but you, you pretty much need to keep them both around for a little while because um, the other thing is that people would be concerned about not having some kind of hard, uh, hard copy backup. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So this, is, this has been absolutely fantastic chatting with you so far. If the, the cryptocurrency community would like to get behind what you're working on or find out more, of that, how can they best, you know, work with you and support you and, and get the word out about what you're doing? Well, thanks so much for asking. Um, just go to yang2020.com and get a sense of our platform. If you do have some uh, cryptocurrency around that you'd like to donate to the campaign, um, just go to yang2020.com slash crypto, uh, mm -hmm. and then you can make a donation there. We can certainly use your help. Um, those of you who like to create memes, I really want to become the internet candidate. <laughs> Um, so, are you doing any so memes? Any, are you doing any kind of meme competitions on Instagram or Twitter at all? Um, we're doing some stuff like that, uh, but we're not as far along. We haven't caught really like the the, the right set of memes as yet. Um, but my team's super optimistic about it because apparently I'm more memeable than many of the other candidates. <laughs> what does that Definitely. mean? <laughs> You know, I mean, one thing is like, there's like the Drake God's Plan video where he's just giving money to people and there's like sticking my head on it. And I'm just like giving, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually giving a thousand dollars a month personally to a family in New Hampshire that got picked up by CNBC and the rest of it just to illustrate shocker, a thousand dollars a month will actually help people's lives. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, here's a thousand dollars a month. And then people are like, you know, is that allowed? And I'm like, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we checked with the FEC, it is allowed. Yeah. Um, and 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 uh, and it was so uh, inspiring that a couple in Georgia said that they're going to donate a thousand dollars a month to another family in South Carolina just to support my campaign, just to show giving people money would actually improve people's lives. Yeah, um, amazing. I, I know they're yeah, it's incredible. Like we can really start a movement here that helps open people's eyes to the fact that uh, value can be distributed very very differently. And that this can be a world of abundance instead of a world of resource scarcity yeah. and a dog-eat-dog. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, we certainly talk about scarcity versus abundance. That's something that Yuri and I have both learned a lot about and we talk about because we know how important it is that when you're trying to fundraise for a project or raise money as a company and be successful, 
that you want to create that feeling of abundance and that there's the ability to make things happen rather than being held back because something's getting in the way. So we talk about that all the time because it's a fundamental thing to run a business or to be successful. Yeah, guys, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Before this, I started an organization called Venture for America that trained hundreds of entrepreneurs and created thousands of jobs in the Midwest mm -hmm. and the South. That's why I know what's going on in the Midwest and the South. Yeah. Um, but but that's, that's one reason why I vibe so well with your community is that you all are so entrepreneurial and future-oriented and have that mindset of abundance that's necessary yeah. to make any of these positive things happen. And it's one of the things I try and explain to people. It's like, look, if you want people to be entrepreneurial, you can't have them living paycheck to paycheck and freaking out about paying their bills every day. Like, yeah. That's not going to lead to <laughs> like awesome, <laughs> awesome new like, uh, business formation and creativity. Right. Um, whereas if you get people's heads up and start thinking, hey, if I build this, then I can make it better and I can get the resources and like we've got a great idea. Um, so that, that's one reason why I love the work you all do in your community so much, because we need to create that mindset in uh, people all around the, the, really all around the world. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I, I was working in big corporate world, you know, and I left it to do crypto. And I've been independent now for the last two and a half years, just working, helping companies, advising them with strategy, helping them figure out where they're going with their product roadmaps and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's an interesting place to live being, you know, truly entrepreneurial on my own. And we're going to get Yuri to do the same soon too, right, Yuri? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's, I got to say, I mean, it's, it's the, the best thing you'll ever do. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's like mm -hmm. the mo most growth-inducing thing you'll ever do. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's all of those things. But it helps, uh, it, it helps elevate the human experience in my, uh, like, for sure. uh, in my view. So just for, just for a moment, I mean, we're, I mean, we're talking blockchain, but we're going to, I just want to ask a question because we're here talking about the, you know, the universal basic income premise. How, how do you fund it? Because one of the things I listened to one of the podcasts that you were on and it sounded like you were talking about, I mean, maybe I got this wrong, but you were talking about, you know, the big conglomerates like an Amazon that's taking jobs away and how you might want to perhaps tax them more or create a VAT tax. But what I'm thinking about is how does that work? so that it doesn't damage the growth that these potential companies have, and at the same time, enable a, uh, you know, a, a level playing field for everybody to actually get the universal basic income without it affecting them, affecting the companies around them. Yeah, so the VAT I'm recommending is half the European level, which would not meaningfully affect the incentives for uh, automation and innovation. And I talk to techies and entrepreneurs, and they actually say, like, that's a much better approach than if you were to actually, for example, tax AI or tax, like, specific things um so like oh, that's more of like a gentle redistribution and if you look at it every advanced economy already has one except for the united states right so really, well, we really have sales tax in the u.s versus a vat so would you still retain the local sales tax on each state and then put a national vat on top of all sales yeah i mean as you say the state tax is very much a, a state by state decision some have it some mm -hmm. don't um uh but keep in mind that all of the money is going straight in the hands of American consumers and is going to go right back into like the hands of, of, of businesses uh, around the country, including like the Amazons of the world. So when right. I talk to CEOs, they find this plan to be much, much more amicable than some of the other things that are being bandied about. Interesting. Um, guys, I've, I've got to run, but thank you for the work that you do. Anyone who wants to follow up with any of this, please do just Google Andrew Yang or go to yang2020.com and let's build a future that we can be proud of together. Uh, so keep it up. Thank you guys so much. Thank great. you. Thank it's great you, to have Andrew. you on the show. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you for perhaps a live episode at one of the caucuses, if you'd like. 
Oh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Just head to Iowa, New Hampshire. I'll be there. Perfect. <laughs> thank you. Hey, thank, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, and thanks, everybody, for joining us today on the, uh, the Coin Chat with Andrew Yang, who is running for president and also a big advocate of blockchain. To the moon. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on The Coin Chat. Join us on Telegram on t.me forward slash The Coin Chat, where we discuss a range of topics on cryptocurrency. And visit us on patreon.com forward slash The Coin Chat for show notes, outtakes, and previews of additional content. Or follow us on our website, which is www.thecoinchat.net. And remember to like and subscribe to us on your way out. To the moon, until next time.